have been in the book of Colossians. Uh, we are halfway through, a little over halfway through the book. Paul spends chapters 1 and 2 talking about a lot about doctrine, about theology, and he's going to spend chapters 3 and 4 getting into the practical kind of applications for us. So um, what happened was Paul um, has never, to our knowledge, been to the church at Colossae. He had, uh, the closest that we know is he went to a church at Ephesus. That's the book of Ephesians was written to that church. From what we gather, we believe that Paul was preaching in Ephesus. A guy by the name of Epaphras came there, got saved, went back to Colossae. And there in Colossae, he started telling people about Christ. They got saved. The church started. And things were going very, very well. And then what happened was uh, a lot of Greek people started coming. They got saved. A lot of Jewish people started coming. They got saved. And then the Greek people started looking at kind of at their thing, and they're going, you know, we, we like this Christianity thing, but the thing is, there's some things we were missing, and we, 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 we you know, we were kind of in the higher-end thinking kind of thing, and so they started adding some stuff, and they started saying, you know, we really think that, that you know, the body is bad and the spirit's good, so we, therefore, we think that if you're really a Christian, you ought to do this, and you ought to, like, beat the body down and not enjoy things and, and, and do this, and and, and so they started adding this stuff, and the Jewish people, they kind of came along, and they said, you know, this Christianity thing is nice, we like the Christ thing, but, you know, we're, we're kind of missing some of the Jewish stuff. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't do stuff on the, you know, Sabbath now is different, and we don't, now we do stuff on the Sabbath, we're not comfortable with that. Now, now church is like on Sunday, and, 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 and you know, and we don't, we, we have a really hard time, because we miss some of the feasts and festivals that we used to celebrate, and, and we don't do that anymore, and and, you know, we, we kind of have a hard time because those, those Greek people, they're, they're not circumcised. And we've always been taught that, that real followers of God practice circumcision. So we think if they're really serious about God, they should do that. And, and so Epaphras is listening to all this. And so he makes a journey to Rome where Paul's in prison, a very long journey. Sits down with Paul and he says, let me tell you what's going on. He says, everything's going great at the church and we're seeing people saved. And we've got a couple of problems though. The Greeks are teaching this and the, and the Jews are teaching us and, and we've got to figure this thing out. So Paul writes a letter to the church and he says, look, let, and he, he addresses these things. And we've talked about some of these things. And Paul's kind of, ultimately the whole theme of Colossians comes down to this. Christ is enough. And so he keeps telling people, look, you don't have to add all this stuff. Christ is enough. And so we talked last week about the idea that Paul starts in, in chapter 3, talking about this put-off, put-on kind of thing. And so last week we talked about he had a long list of things. He said, there are some things you need to put off. And he dealt with a lot of sexual kinds of things. He said, get rid of those. Get them out of your life. They will destroy you. Um, that's what you used to do. You don't need to do that anymore. Um, and so Paul emphasized that. And then he talks about some things they need to put aside. And he talks about things that mainly had to do with the tongue. And he said, you just need to get rid of those things too. He said, you know, that's not, that's not what it's about. Now we're going to come to this part in chapter 2 this morning, and Paul's going to talk about putting on a bunch of other things. Okay? So, um, and he's going, to use, he's going to use this idea of clothing as, a, as an illustration. So I tried to think of something that would make it practical. So let me, let me walk through my life today with regards to clothing. Okay? Got this morning, took shower, and then this is what I put on, okay? Um, I put this on because this is appropriate for what I'm doing right now, okay? So I put this on. When I go home, I'm taking off the monkey suit, and I am going to get into my comfortable clothes. So at my house, I, 
all guys have a pile like this somewhere, okay? Um, so this is the way mine looks, by the way. So th there's nothing here. When I get home, this is what I'm going to put on. Make fun of them, if you will. These are the most comfortable things in the world. These are like, they're warm, they're flat. You're going, you've got to look ridiculous. I do, and I don't care. I have a whole series of these t-shirts. They're, they're like uh, Big Bang Theory t-shirts. They're all like superhero t-shirts. I have Superman. I have Batman. I have Star Wars. I have them. I buy them. First of all, they're a special, comfortable, really smooth, cottony cloth. And they're always a size bigger than I need. So I, I am really comfortable in these. Now, my UPS guy has seen probably every one of my shirts like this. Um, because when I am home and I am comfortable, this is what it is. Now, here's what's going to happen. Um, we're going to, hopefully today, we're going we're gonna to eat, and then um, we're, um, we're hoping I'm going to get a little nap in, and then if I get a little time, Josh and I are going to work out, and if I can get Jimmy to get up from the couch, we're going to go out and we're going to work on the MG, because I, I want to get, now here's the thing, okay, I don't wear this working on my MG. These are, this is one of my favorite shirts, and these are one of like my favorite pants. So this is what I will change into um, to work on my MG this afternoon. Now, I can get grease on them. I can get whatever on them. I will change into this, okay? And these are really comfortable too. But um, it's an old Chicago shirt, um, not a new one. No, no, I have a new one. This is the old one. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't desecrate a Chicago shirt like that, believe me. Uh, but anyway, so I will change into this. Then we're having the Thomas Annual Family Christmas picture this afternoon at 4 o'clock, Okay? If it was up to me, it would be this, right? However, my wife will pick out my outfit, and I will wear whatever she picks out, so I don't know what I'm going to have to change into. Then afterwards, I'm going to change back into either this or that, <laughs> unless somebody calls, and I have to go to the hospital and see somebody at the emergency room or something like that, at which point I will change into this, okay? As soon as I get home from that, I will change back into this. And ultimately, by the end of the day, <sighs> this is what I will be in. And if the day goes really, really well, by 8 o'clock tonight, this is what I'm wearing. Okay? And I'm sitting in my chair watching whatever shows we've DVR'd that we haven't caught up on. Okay? And that, my friends, is a perfect Sunday. Oh, 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 no, I forgot. And supper tonight is leftover pizza from Pizza Hut on Saturday, on Friday night. It is the perfect day. It was what worship was designed to be for me, okay? That is the perfect day. Now, here's what I say. I'm going to go all day long changing clothes. And I'm not going to think anything about it. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to ask one question. What's appropriate for what I'm about ready to do? You see, because if I'm going to go work on my MG and I wear this, A, it's going to limit what I can do on my MG. Secondly, it's going to, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get grease on it. I'm going to walk in the house and I'm going to say, honey, i got grease on my dress shirt. You go, oh, how did that happen? Well, I was working on the MG. At that point, my wife is going to put on words that she should not put on. Okay? And I've learned not to do that so we don't go there. So what I do is I say, what's appropriate? And I put on the appropriate thing. Okay, everybody following me with that? 
We do it all day long. Now here's what, now here's what I want to get to you. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, as a believer, you have to stop and you have to ask yourself what's appropriate. You have to stop and ask yourself what's the appropriate way, thing to put on to handle this situation. And it should be such a natural thing for you as a believer that you really don't have to give it much thought. That's what Paul's talking about. I will go all day. I will never sit there. I don't get up in the morning going, which t-shirt should I wear? They're all in a pile. They're right there. They're handy. They're accessible. I can walk home and in an instant do it. Why? Because it's set up that way at my house. So I can change all day long and jump in, change, jump out, and it's not a big deal. It's a natural process of my day, right? Now, I say that because that's what Paul's going to talk to us about. He's going to talk to us about the idea of, look, he's addressed us last week as individuals. This passage addresses the church as a whole. And he says, look, here's some things as a church and as individuals you need to put on. And you need to be comfortable putting these things on. So with that in mind, look, let's jump into it. Chapter 3, starting in verse 12, I think, yeah. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, now here's what I want you to see. And Paul's going to list three things. He's going to list three attitudes, and with each attitude, there's an action. So it's going to be attitude, action, attitude, action, attitude, action. Then we're going to get to the end, and you're going to need all six of those in order to do the two things at the end, okay? So here's what he's going to say. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. Compassion is the attitude. Kindness is the action. Humility is the attitude. Gentleness is the action. Uh, Patience is the attitude. Bearing one another is the action. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. All right? So let's walk through it. He says, all right. First of all, you've got to have the attitude of compassion and kindness. Paul said, look, um, compassion, literally, here's the idea. Bowels of sympathy, heart of pity. It's the idea that it... it, that you, you look with compassion on people. And we get to be in a cold society that, that, that loses that sometimes. And we have put up so many walls that we tend to not be as compassionate as kind. And Paul's saying, look, as a church, you know what you got to do? you got to be compassionate with one another. And the way you're going to act is you're going to act kind to one another. He goes on. He says, humility, which produces gentleness. Humility is that idea of, of, of meekness, and, and, and that's not weakness, that's, that's strength under control. That, that attitude of that, that humility and that gentleness that says, you know what, um, it's not about me. Um, a, a great example is, and, and some of you can relate to this, especially with all little kids around, a little kid starts crying in the middle of the night. Now you're groggy and you're tired and you, you haven't slept and you're in a horrible attitude, how do, you, how do you go and take care of that child? Huh? You, I mean, you know, what do you, I mean, what do you do, you know? How do you, yeah, uh, um, you know, no, what do you do? You don't go in and go, hey, be quiet. You go in, you gently pick the baby up, you take care of the baby, you treat the baby, you try to find out what the baby's needs are, you take care of the needs of the baby, you're gentle with the child. Why? It doesn't understand what's going on. You understand what you've been through. And as a parent, you look at that and go, 
I can be kind, I can be gentle, because it's not about me, it's about them. And that's what Paul's saying to the church. He's saying, look, in humility, with gentleness, you look at somebody else, you go, you know, it's really not about me, it's about you. I can treat you gently. I don't have to be, I don't have to be short with you. He goes on, and he says, um, patient, bearing with each other. Um, patience is that idea of, of, of cutting people some slack, you know? And we live in a world in which we're very impatient, and we can do that with each other if we're not careful. And Paul says, look, as a church, you've got, you got to give each other some room to grow. They may not get it as quick as you got it. And you may not have it like you think you have it. You know? You've got to give each other some room that way. And then Paul wraps this thing up, and he says, Forgiving one another as God forgave you. Listen, <clears throat> you can't forgive somebody unless you're doing those six things. See, I, I, I can't be unforgiving and patient. I've got to have those six things in order to be forgiving, and that's why Paul said these are so important for a church. And you forgive how? The same way that God forgave you. Listen, this is where some of you are hung up. You've got something you won't let go of that somebody's done to you or somebody's sad or whatever else, and you think that it'll be okay. It's not going to be okay. It's going to destroy you. Hebrews chapter 12, it will destroy you. That root of bitterness will spring up in you. It will trouble you. It will destroy you, and it will affect every single relationship you have. And Paul says, "Don't be careful here. You've got to be forgiving. And you have to, as a big picture thing, you have to be loving ones towards another. And that's the thing that, that to me is exciting about this group is I think for the most part we're a group of people that actually likes to be together. You don't know how rare that is. You go to some churches, I'm telling you, that a service ends at 1045, by 1055 the parking lot is empty. You know? And, and that's not true here. People hang around and they talk and they fellowship and, they, and that's the way it should be. They try to learn about one another. That's the way it ought to be. And, it, and you notice what he says. He said it binds them all together in unity, and that's what you want. You want a group of people who are on the same page. And Paul said, that's what I want for you guys, because, see, that's what they're doing. The Greeks were looking at the Jews going, oh, no, you need to do it our way, and the uh, Jews were looking at the Greeks going, oh, no, you need to do it our way. Paul said, look, put that stuff aside. It's about Christ. Let some of that stuff go. And then he goes on. Notice what he says um, in verse 15. Uh, he starts walking through this passage here. And he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, this is really unique. It's the only time it happens in the Bible. Most of the time, peace is also associated with God. Often in the Bible, you know, let the peace of God, um, which passes all understanding. Often when Bible, in the Bible, when Paul puts a greeting to the churches, peace from God, this is the only time it's associated with Christ. Now, here's why. Remember I told you the Greeks were, were, were struggling with this idea of, of, of man and God? Paul here puts Christ in the same place as God. And so this is one of the ways Paul starts, little ways that Paul deals with it. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The ru word rule is the word umpire, referee. Now think about it for a minute. Uh, I don't know if any, most of you don't know this, but when I was a kid, I was always looking for, you know how when you're before 16 and you can't work and you want to make money? Well, back then, one of the ways that you could make money is you could ref, you could umpire um, Little League Baseball. 
And so I got my deal to be able to do that. I got my license. They didn't have a license. You had to take a bunch of tests and stuff like that. But I got my deal to do that when I was young. And so I would go, and I think it was like 14, 15, whatever it was, and I would raff or umpire uh, baseball, Little League baseball. And, and, and here's what I learned. If you're going to be an umpire, and my dad, again, I also have to realize, my dad, my dad refereed football and my dad refereed basketball for high school. Um, so I grew up watching my dad do this a lot. And so, um, but when you're a referee or when you're an umpire or when you're in any kind of role where, where you're, you're judging stuff like that, um, <clears throat> you have to not pay attention to everybody else because everybody else is telling you how to do it. Everybody else thinks they see what you can't see. And everybody else is screaming at you. And I often said, I would love to one day stand up and say, hey, all you yelling at the ref, would you please stand up? Thank you. Now, how many of you have a license to, or, or, or a certification to referee? Because here's what you'll find out. Most of them do not. Because the ones that do don't yell at the referees. Okay? They've been in that boat, you know? They may be crib them. They're not the ones screaming in the stand at them. But you've got everybody screaming at you, telling you how to do it, and calling and yelling at you, and da 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 And what do you do as a referee or as an umpire? You ignore it all. Haven't you seen that in baseball where, you know, the, the umpire is just standing there like this and everybody's, and he's just standing there. And he'll stand there for a little while and they'll go, or if it's TV, you know, um, you know what I'm talking about. Why? You know, <laughs> you know why? You know, because why? Because, you know, that, that's the whole thing. Why? Because as an umpire, as a referee, as an official, you have to exclude everything else and focus on one thing. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying what? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's got to be the thing that's driving you, is the peace of Christ. In the midst of a world that's screaming all kinds of crazy stuff, in the midst of all your circumstances, in the midst of all of the craziness around you, let the peace of Christ be at the center, calling the shots. And he goes on. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. It's interesting. It's the only time this word is used in this sense. Here's what it means. You be a thankful, grateful person. And he goes on. And let the word of Christ dwell in you. It's the idea of the word of God becomes such an important part of our lives that we teach and admonish one another. These two words are, are actually gifts that God gives. God has given some people the gift of teaching, the ability to take the Word of God and, and teach it to people. I'll be honest with you. I think this is one of my gifts. I don't say it proud. I don't say it. It's one of those things I don't take any credit for. I think for some reason, God's given me the ability to take the Word of God and put it in, in something that I can understand and other people can too. It's a gift. Like, people go, well, how do you do that? I don't know. It's a gift. Another gift is admonish. That's another gift. There are people who are encouragers. That's not me. Okay? I, I do not have the gift of admonition. My wife will tell you. My theme would be, you know, get over it. Move on. I'm just not a great encourager. My wife was the one when the kids would get down or struggling or whatever. She's the one who would come alongside them. Oh, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You know, and I'm like, you can do it. Get over it. Move on. Um, you know, I was of the opinion that, you know, if there wasn't blood, we didn't go to the hospital. We didn't even, huh? Yeah, I mean, we, um, yeah, yeah, is a bone sticking out, then we'll take it in. Otherwise, we'll finish the project first. I mean, you know, 
admonition, the person who is admonition, they can encourage people, and they can help them, and they can coddle along. And some of you are so good at this. I'm telling you, that is an incredible gift. I wish I had it. I don't. I have to admonish people from time to time, but I'm not good at it. Some of you are masters at it. Let God use your gift. And that's what Paul says. You take and you admonish one another. You use that gift, whatever it is. I believe God has given everyone in here some gift for something. And the only difference between the people, between me and, and the average person out there is, I'm using my gift, you're not. Your gift is just as valuable as my gift. There's not a one's more important than the other kind of thing. It's the issue of what gift do you have and whether or not you're using it. That's what it boils down to. Because God wants all of us to be faithful in whatever gift we have. And he says, you let the word of Christ dwell in you, teaching and admonishing another one. And he talks about it in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. I am thrilled that people like Alyssa can play the piano. That people like Juanita can sit down at that thing. I could play. It would not be music, but I could bang on the keys. You know, and I am thrilled that people can take and they can put music to stuff and they can do stuff like that and that they use that and they use that as a way to worship and a way to put stuff together. And, I, and I'm so grateful for those. It's not a gift I have, but it's a gift. Somebody asked me the other day, they go, who picks the music for church? I said, whoever wants to play it. If you don't do it, not on your life. Not on your life. You know, my wife will tell you, once I hear a song, I'll, I, literally, I'll, put, I'll take that song and I'll put it on a loop and I'll play it a hundred times. And I'm okay with that. So every Sunday, I'd say, okay, here's the six songs we're going to do for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I mean, that's just the way I am. I'm thrilled that somebody can go, oh, and all oh, they tie together and all that. And that's great. Why? They're using their gift. They're using their gift. And Paul says, look, when you as a church do this, and notice what he says, with gratitude. We come back to this idea of gratitude over and over and over again. Look at how many times he talks about it. You know, he talked about it in the passage before about with, with this idea of be thankful people, be grateful people. And then he wraps it up by saying that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we come back to this idea of giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, a couple of um, things to, uh, to apply this week. Here we go. Um, kind of where the rubber meets the road. Here's, here's, here's the first thing. You're all going to go home this afternoon, and most of you, probably all of you, are going to change clothes. You're going to put this on, and you're going to put on something appropriate for whatever your plans are for the rest of the day. Some of you need to do the same thing spiritually. You need to get rid of some stuff, and you need to step back, and you need to say, because, you know, here's what you're going to find. There's nothing more discomforting than being in something where you're not appropriately dressed. Okay? And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but, I mean, you know, if I, if I tried to work on my MG this afternoon like this, it would be very awkward. I got in a situation a couple weeks ago, and it, that was a crazy time in our life anyway. But we had one of Josh's friends was graduating from Sioux Falls Fire Academy. And we got in, I got invited to go up for his graduation. And I wasn't paying attention to it and stuff like that. So I, um, I just thought, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's a graduation thing, kind of like a military thing. So here's what this is. This was my outfit. I kind of went there, and I grabbed a really nice pair of jeans, and I grabbed a really nice collared shirt. And I drove all the way up to Sioux Falls, and I get there, and I find out two things that I didn't know. Uh, first of all, it's a dinner. It's a formal dinner. 
And I find out that all of the fire department people are there in their full dress uniform, along with all of the parents of the graduates, along with all of the other people, including the mayor of Sioux Falls. And I'm going, yep, I'm from Hornick. Um, and in the whole course of it, you know, I didn't get the mama deal, and I'm feeling really, and finally one of the guys who was with our group came in, and he had on jeans and a dress shirt, and I went, sit next to me, you know? I said, sit next to me. And it's very, very uncomfortable and awkward meeting people. Why? Because it wasn't appropriate. And look, that's what happens to you and I. When we don't put on the appropriate things, we get ourselves in awkward situations. When you go in and you're not thinking about how you talk to these people or how you interact with people, you find yourself doing things or saying things that you don't want to say and you don't want to do. That's why Paul said, look, get comfortable putting on kindness and humility and gentleness. Get comfortable with those things. Get rid of those anger, bitterness, all those things we talked about last week with the tongue. He said, get rid of those things because they will hurt you. They will make you feel very uncomfortable. And you'll walk away going, you know, here's the thing. You need to be able to tell somebody off and then invite them to church. I mean, mean, that's what we're talking about. You know, you need to be able to present, you go, you know, I'm not talking about being a pushover. I'm not talking about being a pacifist. I'm talking about the idea is I need to be able to choose my words in such a way that I don't lose my testimony in the way that I talk to those people. I can still stand up to somebody and say, look, this wasn't right and still be able to witness to them. If I have talked to them and spoken the truth in love and been kind and gentle and all of those kinds of things. And that's important for us. It's important for us to understand. And there's some things, like I said, you're going to go off and you're going to put on, off some, these clothes and you're going to put something else on. We need to be doing the same thing this week in our lives. Second idea is this. We need to start to be people of peace. Now look, we live in a world that thrives on confrontation. We're even at the point now that we have entire radio stations and TV stations and stuff like that, that it's all confrontational. And and I'm saying this with love, and I'm saying this with compassion, but if I'm speaking the truth, then you're obliged to listen to the truth. Some of you struggle because you find yourself short and angry and frustrated and discouraged, and you want to know one of the reasons? Because all day long you fill your mind and you fill yourself with confrontation. There are some things, some of you, the best thing you can do is there are certain shows you just need to turn off. There are certain things that you're watching because when you walk away, you are not, you, you are angry. You're, there's a Christian organization that I used to listen to a lot. I don't listen to them anymore. You know why? Because I stepped back and I said, what encouraging thing do these people even have? And all I was hearing from them was one thing after another. This is wrong. 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 And you know what? They were right. All that stuff was wrong. But what about all the stuff that's Right. And so I started listening to an organization that still deals with the stuff that's wrong, but also talks about the stuff that's right. Because I found myself being short. I found myself being that, that always looking for a fight, always trying to die on the next hill, always doing it. And I have that nature anyway. You don't need to feed it. Okay? You know, it can, it can, it can, handle, it can handle like about 
one or two issues a week, and it will feed itself plenty. And some of you wonder why you're struggling. You wonder why you're depressed. You know, I mean, honestly, I walk, I can watch the news, and I don't have to get all depressed. And I just look at it and say, even so, come Lord Jesus. You know? And, and, and we're so, and we get into a thing, and we're always, you know, we need to be the people that when there's a big confrontation at work, they call us and say, you know what? That person's reasonable. He'll listen to both sides, and he'll give us a smart, wise answer. Let's get him involved in this. Let's get her involved in this. We need to be known as peacemakers. And that's a rare trait in this world right now. But if the word of Christ dwells in you, the peace of Christ dwells in you, and the word of Christ dwells in you, and it exudes everything from you, then you know what? You're going to be a kind of person that you can look at that kind of thing and you can find the good in it. One, well, here's one of the things that, I, that, 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 that kind of comes... In my job, I am forced to find the good in any situation. So when I deal with people in crisis, often I find myself sitting there, sitting there going, okay, Lord, what, what good can come out of this? Lord, how can we turn this thing around? How can you be honored and glorified, Lord? This is a horrible situation, and it's da-da-da-da-da. And, and I find myself often saying this. If some of you have been in these situations, I mean, you heard me say this. I've, been, I've seen some of the most horrendous, situations that, that, that have the potential to blow a family to bits. And I look at people and I say, look, as crazy as this is going to sound, I'm not saying this flippantly, but as crazy as this is going to sound, if you can handle this right, there will come a point in which you will look back on this situation and you will realize this is probably the greatest thing that could have ever happened in your life to turn it around for good. And I say, I don't want you to believe that now. I just want you to remember that. Because the Bible says that everything can work to good if we keep our focus right. And often I have those, those people come back to me and go, you know what? I thought you had lost your mind when you told me that. But it was. It ended up being a great thing for us. And I want to challenge you because often in the midst of the craziness, we're not looking for God. And He hasn't abandoned us. He's right there. It just takes us sometimes to step back and say, God, what are you doing? And how can you use it? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, can step in at that moment and do things that the world will never understand. And the last thing that he talks about here is this idea of gratefulness. And I just got to be honest with you. As we head into Thanksgiving and all that kind of thing, we really need to step back and look at what we've got. So many times in our lives, and I think this is part of a problem with us, is when we're faced with a crisis, when we're faced with something, we always look at the downside. We always look at the dark side. We always look at that which is bad. We look at that which we've lost instead of looking at what we had. Instead of stepping back and trying to see it from God's perspective. And over the course of my job, in having to do this time and time and time again, it has shaped me in a unique way. 
Because often my wife and I, things that used to send us into a tizzy that would be all, you know, our world is collapsing and da-da-da-da-da. Now we find ourselves, not because we're spiritual, just because we've had to do this. We find ourselves when we come up against something going, you know what, it could be worse. It could be worse. And things that used to just send us over the edge now, because we step back and we go, you know, as bad as that is, it could be worse. Because what I've found in life is whatever situation you're up against could be better, and it could be worse. You've got to decide what your focus is going to be. Um, and, and, and I'm hesitant to go where I'm about ready to go. So for those of you who this is still raw, I, I don't want to sound cold. I don't. Like I say, admonishing is not my thing. Teaching is. But I want to try to admonish you as well. And so please don't read too much into what I'm going to say. But, but I, I need to say it. In every situation that I see, I see situations where it could be worse. When I talk to a spouse who says, you know, I, I, I talk to a person who's lost a spouse. And they talk about how hard it is. I don't say it. But what they need to understand and what they don't understand is I talk to that person who's single, who's longing for the right spouse and would give anything to have the right spouse even if they were going to lose them, but don't. For that parent who has lost a child, which I think is one of the the most difficult things for someone to go through, and as hard as that is, I talk to the parents who have prayed to God to have a child and can't, don't have the finances to adopt, and are childless, and never get to experience any of that at all. To the person who has lost a parent who has been loving and kind and wonderful and great and all those things to them, and they talk about how hard that is. I deal with the, par- the, the person over here who has had no mom or dad who walked away from a long, long, long time ago. To the person who has lost a dear friend. It would have been really easy for me when Doug passed away to say, God, why did you take him so young? To those of you who read my Facebook thing and those of you who were at the funeral and they read that Facebook deal, that wasn't my attitude at all. My attitude was, God, I am grateful that I had 30 years of friendship with a guy who molded and shaped my life, who we invested a ton of time together. And yes, I would love another 30. But because of that 30, I'm a richer person for it. That's why it hurts so much. Because I deal with people time and time again who looked at me and said, I would love to have a friend like you had. I sat down with two pastors at Doug's funeral before we were getting ready for it, and I told them of our relationship. And, 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 I, and to one of them, I looked at him and I said, look, I know you, I said, I know what you're thinking right now. And that's a dangerous thing to say to another pastor. But I said, I know you're somewhat jealous because you know how rare a situation I had and he looked at me and said, you're exactly right. 
said, I realize. He said, I'd give anything to have had that. So I'm not about to look at God and say, God, you know, like I say, I I don't want to minimize it. And here's the thing that I love about this church. As I've been looking through the past 25 years, here's what I've noticed. There's a pattern here that I haven't seen in most churches. When you go through this church and you look at the hurts in this church, people who have lost children, people who have lost spouses, people who have been through uh, horrible diseases and difficult things, when you look at it as a whole, the percentage of people that have been hurt deeply in this church is unlike most churches out there. But because of that, there is this underlying thing in this church of people who have a love and a compassion and an understanding of hurt and heartache and difficulty and hardship. And I step back and I have to say, God, thank you for allowing me to even be exposed to these people, much less pastor them. Because you have taught me more than I believe I have ever taught you. Because you have taught me with your life what it is to go through hardship and still faithfully serve and honor God with your life. And you are my heroes. And I do not say that lightly. I do not say it lightly when I look at some of you and go, you know what, you need to know, you are my heroes because of how of what God has taken you through and how you still love Him and serve Him and try to do what's right. And how in the world you can find gratefulness and thankfulness in the life that you have is something that can only come from God. I understand that. But I want to challenge us all to be grateful for what we have. And for even those of us and those of you I don't even want to put myself in that carry. For those of you who have lost a lot, it hurts so much because you were given a lot. And if you're not careful, as many of you have learned, you can become bitter. Or you can become grateful for what you have. And I want to challenge you because what Paul challenges this church with is to be grateful for what they've been given. And I want to challenge all of us to step back, even those of us, even those of you who have lost much, to step back and say, Lord, sometimes I just whine too much. Because I've been given a lot. And when you kind of focus on life that way, there's a peace that can help you go through life. There's a compassion and a kindness and a patience and a forbearance that help us live life differently. And believe me, the crazy, chaotic, dysfunctional world out there has to see it. And we have an opportunity to live it in front of us if we put on the right things this week. So I close with this. As you go home today, you're going to change clothes. May we also start to change the things in our life that need to change. May we all be grateful this week for what we've been given. May we glorify God in our thoughts, in our actions.
in all we do this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, over and over again, you drive home to these people at Colossae that they have been given much, that their, their life is hid in Christ. That, Lord, you are to be the center of all they do. And, Lord, we need that reminder as well. Lord, for those in this church that are my heroes, I pray you would continue to strengthen them and encourage them. Lord, for those in this church that are struggling, Lord, they go back and forth between the bitterness and the anger and the, the, the stuff. Lord, would you help them to, 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 to seek out the people that can help them, who have walked the journey before them, who can guide them to handle it in a right way. And for all of us this week, Lord, as we go into a crazy kind of world, Lord, would you let the peace of Christ rule in all we say and do. And Lord, when we're challenged this week to put on the wrong things, may we put on the things that are appropriate and the things that bring honor and glory to you in the way we respond so that folks can see Christ in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. And